The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. Um, but just trying anything you can to, you know, get into that mindset. Uh, music is a big help. Uh, it really is. And it kind of, you know, uh, 30 minutes or an hour before I write, you know, I might listen to, you know, a Sarah Vaughn record or something like that. And that feels very much like Spencer to me, hmm. you know, and if I'm right, writing Quinn Colson, you know, I'm going to put in, uh, you know, a Waylon Jennings playlist, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it's, it's really, it's just, it's, it's creating a different mood and a different feeling. And I've been doing this now for almost 10 years, switching between these characters and it is getting easier. Uh, but man, it used to be hell. Um, you know, sometimes I'd start writing a book and I mean, I would be writing, I wrote maybe, uh, you know, 30, 40 pages and realized that, uh, you know, Quinn Colson sounded like Spencer and vice yeah. versa. Yeah. And, um, you know, now it's a little bit easier that I can, I can speak both languages. Greetings, scribes. We're still broadcasting the writer files. I am your host, Calvin Reed, sending you positivity and prolificness throughout these times of upheaval and uncertainty. This week, the New York Times bestselling Southern crime novelist Ace Atkins took a minute to talk with us about his superhero origins as a journalist, the complicated dark history of the American South, and the challenge and thrill of changing POVs in the novel. The author's written 26 books, including 10 in his country noir, Quinn Colson series, and eight bestsellers in the continuation of Robert B. Parker's iconic Spencer series. He's been nominated for every major award in crime fiction, including the Edgar, three times. HBO is currently developing his Quinn Colson novels into a network series, and Ace's second novel for the Parker estate, Wonderland, was made into the film Spencer Confidential, starring Mark Wahlberg and directed by Peter Berg. The former newspaper reporter also writes essays and investigative pieces for publications including the Wall Street Journal and Outside Magazine. And The Revelators is his 10th Quinn Colson novel, a series men's journal called A Deep South True Detective. And New York Times bestselling author Megan Abbott dubbed it quite simply the best in crime fiction today. Stay tuned for a clip from The Revelators audiobook at the break excerpted courtesy of Penguin Random House Audio, read by McLeod Andrews. In this file, Ace and I discussed how his writing has been influenced by 70s noir, why his latest work echoes social issues of the Deep South, the music that helps him create, dinner with Dashiell Hammett, and how to pick the best genre for your writing voice. Stay safe and stay sane out there, and please vote if you live in the United States. Thanks. 
And if you're a fan of the writer files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published and leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts to help other writers find us. All right, welcome back to The Writer Files. I am joined today by an esteemed guest. I have bestselling author Ace Atkins. How are you today, Ace? I'm doing good. Thanks, Kelvin. Did you, uh, kind of starting out, did it occur to you that with the name Ace Atkins that you had to be famous? <laughs> well, I'm still working. I'm still working on that part. Uh, but my, it was funny, when I first started writing as a, as a journalist, one of my editors tried to get me to change my name. I mean, Ace is my, it's a nickname, but it's the only name I've ever known. But they thought it sounded very unprofessional. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I said, sorry, it's just my name. It's what I'm stuck with. But uh, yeah, for Ace Atkins, uh, I, I also probably couldn't be a, um, you know, may, maybe this is the best line of work being a crime reporter <laughs> and a crime writer. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It doesn't seem like it could have gone any other way for you. I don't think so. Um. Yeah, so we were just chatting a little bit, but uh, yeah, how are you? How are you surviving the uh, the pandemic? And and oh, it's weird, man. Uh, weird times for sure. Um, very fortunate. Uh, there are times over the last twenty years I've wondered, you know, all the different lines of work I could go into. You know, why did I become a writer? <laughs> you know, writing writing is not the easiest way to make a living. But I'm I'm very fortunate right now to be in a, in a line of work that I can do at home, uh, that I can work yeah. anywhere where I can, you know, have that laptop. Um, uh, but I really am feeling right now for people. I live in Oxford, Mississippi, which is a college town, but the people that I know that own restaurants work in restaurants, people that are, uh, musicians, um, you know, people that are just dependent on getting things going. I really feel for them right now, but I'm, as far as the way it's impacted me, I've, I've been just lucky as hell. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I talked to so many you know, authors about just about the craft. And it's like, well, normally, you know, you, you have the luxury of, of going out into public and going out to a restaurant or a cafe when you're, you know, kind of doing the things that aren't required for the kind of getting into that flow state. And, you know, we don't, we don't really have that, that luxury any longer. Um, which I think I miss, yeah, I miss coffee yeah. shops a lot. I mean, I, I have a, I have a really lovely office. I love my office, but there's some days I just love, you know, working and writing in a coffee shop and, uh, you know, the coffee shops are closed here, so can't go to a coffee shop. Um, you just have to be, I guess in these times, be creative to find a place that you can, uh, you know, get, get, uh, you know, get the work going. Yeah. Yeah. Sparking that creativity. And it's interesting, but yeah, let's, uh, let's turn back the clock as we do with so many renowned authors and kind of talk about your origins, uh, your superhero origin story and kind of how you got here, because um, it's a it's a very interesting story. And yeah, how did you become a New York Times bestselling novelist? Well, my you know uh, I was traveling with my family. We were going down this back alley. This guy confronted us. Uh, you know, of course, I was raised by the Wayne family, and we had just <laughs> seen this movie, and we're coming in, and this guy. Well, for me, you know, it was a kind of a roundabout way. I I, I started off. I've always loved books. And I've, um, you know, I knew from a very early age that I wanted to be an author. I knew that that's what I wanted to do, but I didn't know how the hell you got there. I didn't know any authors. I didn't know, you know, that's not exactly a job that you, um, you know, find in the want ads. So, um, I really shorter, you know, short version of the story 
was very, very fortunate to get into the world of journalism after college. I went to Auburn University. I went to, uh, ended up working around Tampa uh, for the Tampa Tribune and also for the St. Pete Times. And I was just lucky as hell to get into that that world. And um, being a newspaper reporter was like all my base training. I got to work with some outstanding editors, some very mean editors. I got it just hammered in me, just you know, writing on deadline, writing good sentences, getting good quotes. And so that facilitated me to to finally getting to be a, a published writer when I was in my 20s. Yeah, it's interesting how, how many novelists start out in journalism. And of course, you know, Hemingway is the ultimate example kind of of that, um, you know, his tenets of, of journalism translated quite well, I think, into his fiction. Of course, you know, you have this kind of Southern noir crime uh twist mentality so yeah talk a little bit about the crossover between what you do with say you know the the quinn colson series and some of your journalism how what the crossover is what you know kind of what you've learned about the integration of of the research piece but also these um you know kind of this technicolor uh southern noir feel that these novels have well, I think, you know, the South is such a great place to write about. And it's, you know, it's, it's not only, it, it's kind of a, I think a mystery for people who are not from here. Um, you know, I, I'm originally born in Alabama. I spent the last 20 years in Mississippi. I went to, you know, uh, high school and college in Alabama. Uh, my family's very Southern, so it comes very naturally writing about the world and people I know about. Um, but I think that, um, you know, the South is also a place of a lot of uh, complicated issues and a lot of, um, um, you know, it's a very checkered past and a very dark past. And so, you know, getting into being a, being somebody who comes from the world of crime writing, you know, I'm kind of in ground zero when it comes into writing about, you know, hypocrisy and racism and corruption. And this is, you know, this is the bread and butter of this world. And there are things that, you know, Faulkner was writing about, um, God, 80 years ago that, that now we're talking about the same thing with just you know, the new generation of these people. Um, so I'm, I am drawn to these kind of stories. I didn't get into becoming a crime writer because I felt like it was a great genre to work in. I didn't get into it because I felt like this is where I'd sell most books, whatever. I came into it because I am a fan of that, that type of story. Um, I love noir film. I love, you know, also action films of the seventies, you know, it's just kind of the, hmm. the, the aesthetics that I really dig. And so the South also tends to be a place that's not written about as much, uh, certainly not in the way that I write about it. You know, there are books like, you know, where the crawdads sing and, and, uh, mm-hmm. the help and that kind of thing, but that's not, that's not Quinn Colson world at all. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to do a crime series set in a world I know about and, and I find it, I find this world, this place endlessly fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow, mercy is the bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. 
Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. Well, it's kind of interesting how often these, um, you know, these, these prolific authors kind of have this almost like ripped from the headlines, you know, feel to them and their timeliness. And, you know, you're, you're obviously creating this world, this fictional, um, county in north mississippi that has uh, very real as you mentioned kind of things happening there that are that are you know happening all around us right now doesn't it seem like this is a very timely moment for your latest it is it is very 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 strange and there are things that have happened um that you see that are just insane uh, but then you see some really good stuff. You know, we just had our flag change here in Mississippi, and I never thought I would ever see the stars and bars taken off the the Mississippi flag in my lifetime. So you're seeing progression. And at the heart of what these books are really about is really the battle of the Old South and the New South. But you're talking about how things are so strange. You know, I started writing this series um, 10 years ago, and I did, you know, some of the stuff that I was doing in the book was sort of stylized, you know, I'm really, I love movies like walking tall and Billy Jack. And Mm -hmm. I had this racist militia group that was in the, in the first book that had kind of infiltrated this town, but they were, you know, kind of hiding out in the woods. They had this secret camp where they were doing their training. People that were members were kind of hidden, you know, they didn't let them people know who they were, that kind of stuff. And I felt like I was maybe a little bit over the top, you know, I might've gone a little bit overboard with the characterization and now, you know, shit, excuse me, uh, last week is, you know, <laughs> I, I look out my, my window and there's a guy, you know, protecting the Confederate monument on the Oxford town square carrying, uh, an AK 47. So, you know, we've gone from, you know, people that are hanging out in the woods and secretive, you know, uh, societies and that kind of thing now to people marching on the town square. So, um, I'm not necessarily, um, happy to see these people out and about. Um, and I'm not necessarily pleased to see some of the darker nature, uh, of, of what I write about in the books, you know, out there in the open. But I do think the fact that it is out in the open, my more positive side is thinking that that's at least shining some light on some really deep problems and deep issues that have been around forever and ever down here. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very interesting. And at times obviously, uh, is a huge understatement. On so many levels, as we so often come back to like these concentric circles of crises um, that we seem to be faced with, uh, it's just, you know, I think obviously it's great that 
that um, fiction can unearth some some of these pieces. But as you said, you know, you've kind of been influenced by these um, these great storytellers of your and the noir and southern uh, genres. But yeah, let's talk about your latest. Um, I understand the Revelators, which is uh, the tenth Quinn Colson novel. Um, yeah, it's already been uh, optioned, or, or at least the Quinn Colson series has been optioned by HBR, right? And so you're kind of in talks yeah. to to make that into uh, something very relevant. I think it's. I think now is the time to have a, a show like this. And of course, you know, all authors think you know want to have their stories told in that manner. But the conversations I've had, the show's been in development for a while. The news is just finally coming out about it. Um, but uh, the the people who've been working on it, I think, want to do a really realistic view of what's happening. Um, and I think that it's more relevant than it was last year um, because of the uh, the issues going on down here. And, and again, you know, it goes back to the battle of the New South and the Old South and people clinging to the old ways and the history that really is more of a mythology than anything or moving ahead. So um, I, I have faith that um, you know, if things do come together on this, that it'll be a, hopefully an authentic representation of, of the South today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, the series has been, um, lauded and, and obviously, um, it's, uh, something to behold, lots of fun. And you, you've mentioned that you can kind of dip in anywhere, but, um, that there's this kind of larger story arc. So that should translate quite well, I think, to the small screen or the streaming model. How do you feel about some of the more like recent, uh, series kind of set in the South. I don't know. Sometimes I think about Justified. You ever, did you ever see that one? I did, you know, and I'm a, I'm a huge Elmore Leonard fan. Yeah. Uh, but I just, I just never could get into that show. Um, because it was so much of it was so damn corny. Um, <laughs> parts of the, some of the episodes I thought were really great. Um, but you know, it's just, you watch that show and obviously it's all shot in Southern California. You know, and it's supposed right. to be Kentucky. Um, I like, uh, Timothy Oliphant a great deal. I thought he's terrific. And I think Walter Goggins is just amazing. But some of the show was a little, a little over the top for me. Yeah. Oliphant was really great in Deadwood. I don't know if you caught that oh, one. Oh my God. Oh, um, absolutely. Pretty fantastic, uh, series on HBO. So, um, yeah. And then I thought of Ozark, but that's a completely different kind of a, a setting and, and, uh, with uh, some, also some very bad characters. Um, it's hard to tell who's, who's a good person, a good guy on that one. Yeah. That's always the fun one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's exciting, man. But yeah, talk about the latest and, um, how you're feeling about the series and where, where you're going next, what you're working on and what are your, de- you know, I know you're struggling with kind of the, the quarantine situation, but, um, yeah, what do your days look like and how are you, how are you, how are you moving forward now? Well, besides writing, uh, Quinn Colson and writing about Tibbahawk County in the deep South. I also write about Boston and I continue, um, writing the Spencer character who was created by Robert B. Parker. And I've been doing that for 10 years. So right now yeah. I'm working on my ninth, uh, Spencer book. So I, you know, I, <laughs> I alternate, it's hard to explain, but I alternate between writing about my home here in the deep South and urban Boston, you know? Yeah. So I've been working on that right now. Um, and as far as the revelators, revelators again, is a, the 10th book in the series it is kind of a milestone, not just in the number, but it's also a milestone. The fact that a lot of long story arcs, story threads that have been going through the last five, six novels are all kind of coming to a head with this book. So for people who are longtime fans, um, you know, things are going to be very different after this book. It's a kind of a, what I'd say a real shakeup book where 
you know, my goal was to destroy a lot of, uh, you know, um, stories that we, you know, either, either close them or finish them or destroy things that have been happening, um, for the last five or six years. And so, um, the revelators starts up again. I mean, what I'm into is I'm into very classic kind of storytelling. I'm into Westerns. I'm into noir. Uh, we have our hero, you know, he's, he's shot up at the, at the end of the last book. The last book was, you know, kind of an exercise and, you know, wouldn't it be great to write a crime novel where the bad guys won. And so that was the <laughs> last book. Uh, there were some readers who, <laughs> who were very excited about that ending. Uh, but this takes place after that happens. And it's about the hero getting back on his feet and trying to restore some kind of order with this uh, political and criminal syndicate that's completely taken over his home. Yeah, yeah. I love um, some of these blurbs about the about the series itself. And it's pretty cool. I mean, the, uh, you, you always get a blurb on the front by Lee Childs, right? Like, that's a pretty... A pretty cool signature to have. Yeah, Lee. I've known I've known Lee for years. Uh, he's a he's just a terrific guy, and um, that's a that's always a nice thing. I think sometimes people maybe come to the books. Um, it's a nice, it's a wonderful blurb to have. But I think for sometimes people thinking that the there's a similarity between kind of a Jack Reacher character right. and Quinn Olson, they're just completely. It's a completely different thing. I love those Jack Reacher books. They're fantastic. Uh, you know, I've been reading it for years and, and, uh, but Quinn Colson is, is more about the community. You know, it's really about this, this small County in Mississippi. It's about all the people. It's not just about Quinn Colson. It's about his sister. It's about his mother. It's about the people who work in the town. It's about, yeah. uh, you know, it's, 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 it's more of a fabric book, uh, than just a, than a lone hero book. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I like this, this quote, uh, it's blend of country noir and badass humor is as smooth as three fingers of gentleman Jack. Uh, if you like country noir and you haven't visited Tibaha County, you're overdue for a road trip. Um, that's a good one. Three fingers of gentleman Jack. Sounds delicious. Um, <laughs> too early. Maybe, uh, after, maybe after five, a little early. <laughs> um, speaking of Faulkner, no. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, well, we appreciate you taking the time and, you know, if you could talk a little bit about your kind of just your productivity, I mean, cause you're, you're, you're kind of genre switching a little bit, but, but yeah, how do you keep these two, these two worlds in your head? How do you keep them straight? How do you stay organized? And then when you're switching from the Quinn Colson series to the Spencer series, um, yeah, what, you know, cause I've heard, you know, there's, there's stories about, uh, you know, like screenwriters using different desks or different music or, you know, how do you go from uh, Mississippi to Boston and, and kind of, yeah, talk a little bit about the inside of your brain. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, that's the hardest thing for me. Um, the books, even though they are a lot of similarities, I mean, you know, you've got a, you know, character, a hero like Quinn or you got a hero like uh, Spencer, that's, uh, you know, investigating a crime and they are certainly the same kind of world. You know, they're certain, certainly the same kind of characters, you know, men with moral codes, kind of old fashioned throwback characters. But, you know, aside from the obvious, you know, one is a first person narrative. Another one is, you know, multi-voiced, uh, you know, one is set in Boston, one is set in rural Mississippi, you know, th those kind of obvious differences, th that's not really the challenge. The challenge for me uh, is, is the voice and doing the voice and the style. Um, you know, Robert Parker, when he was alive, did three different types of series. One was a Western, but they all had the same voice. Every voice was the same, whether it was the old West or it was modern day, whatever. 
he was writing in his voice. And for me, changing over from writing my more natural style of when I'm writing Quinn Colson and writing about the South is difficult to change over into writing Spencer. And so I, yeah, I have a variety of tricks that I use, you know, I'm, you know, Spencer is notorious for loving, uh, you know, classic jazz music. Uh, you know, there's a certain, you know, usually I, I go up to Boston for a while before I start writing the books. Of course this year that did not happen. Um, but just trying anything you can to, you know, get into that mindset. Uh, music is a big help. Uh, it really is. And it kind of, you know, uh, 30 minutes or an hour before I write, you know, I might listen to, you know, a Sarah Vaughn record or something like that. And that feels very much like Spencer to me, hmm. you know, and if I'm write, writing Quinn Colson, you know, I'm going to put in, uh, you know, a Waylon Jennings playlist, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it's, it's really, it's just, it's, it's creating a different mood and a different feeling. And I've been doing this now for almost 10 years, switching between these characters and it is getting easier. Uh, but man, it used to be hell. Um, you know, sometimes I'd start writing a book and I mean, I would be writing, I wrote maybe, uh, you know, 30, 40 pages and realized that, uh, you know, Quinn Colson sounded like Spencer and vice oh, yeah. versa. Yeah. And, um, you know, now it's a little bit easier that I can, I can speak both languages. That's incredible. Um, yeah, before we kind of wrap up with your advice to your fellow scribes, of course we will point at your home base there, which is probably the best place to learn all about, uh, the latest and, and, and you know, find out all, about all the different books. Uh, and that's aceatkins.com. And then of course you are on Twitter. I'll link to that at aceatkins and Facebook as well. Uh, drop some links to the, to the latest. Um, but, uh, yeah, where else, uh, are you connecting with, uh, listeners and readers out there? You know, you can find me at all the basic locations, you know, on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and that kind of thing. I, um, you know, I, th I think that, uh, one of the best places for me as far as interacting with, you know, questions from readers or new news tends to be Facebook these days. Uh, my Instagram is, is kind of, uh, backlogged since I'm not leaving my house mm. very much. So mm -hmm. <laughs> if you're really into seeing pictures of my cat or, uh, different cocktails I drink at night, then that's the place to go. <laughs> but, <laughs> but for more, for more useful information, you might check out uh, Facebook or, or my, yeah. my website. For sure. For sure. Um, Cool, man. Well, uh, yeah. So a, a quick fun one we'll drop. Um, if you could have dinner with, uh, any author from any era, uh, at your favorite restaurant, or of course, all expenses pay, um, who would you take and where would you take them? Man. Wow. That's a tough one. That is a tough one. You know, I, I think, Oh, one of my favorite restaurants, maybe, uh, there's a great restaurant in San Francisco called the Tadich Grill. And um, years ago, I wrote a book that was where the central character was Dashiell Hammett. And I really just just became obsessed with Dashiell Hammett's life and, mm. you know, who he was. And he just seemed like a lot of a lot of fun. I think he maybe was kind of a miserable uh, drinker at some periods, but <laughs> uh, seemed like a wonderful guy to discuss uh, politics and, and yeah. uh, world events and just an amazing person. So maybe maybe a lunch, maybe have a few whiskeys at the Tadich grill with Dashiell Hammett. That would probably be the ultimate. Yeah. Yeah. Some, uh, Jefferson's reserve. I don't know. I'm looking on your some four roses bourbon. I'm just looking uh, on Instagram. All on the, it's all <laughs> on the menu. <laughs> it's all the menu. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, all right. So as we wrap up, can you offer advice to your fellow scribes on just how to keep going, how to, uh, keep the ink flowing, the cursor moving? Well, I think, you know, whatever works 
for you is what you should be doing. And I don't, it doesn't, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, things have changed greatly with the pandemic as far as where I'm able to work. You know, it used to be, Hey, you know, if you can work at a coffee shop, work at a coffee shop, it works at an office. If it works, you know, standing on your head and your room, whatever allows you to get into that, um, that mindset to, to produce pages is where you want to be. But broader than that is just be damn careful that you pick up a subject or a story that really is fascinating to you. I mean, I didn't pick Quinn Colson because I just wanted to write a popular genre and this is, you know, I, I hear writers talk like that and that just, you know, I did it because I love, I love old action movies. I love noir. I love uh, Westerns. I mean, that's why I created this and it's fun for me to write these books uh, is just make sure you're picking something for the right reason. You're picking something that is, is your personal obsession. And when you do that, you're never really working. You're really just having fun. And that's, that's the whole damn reason why any of us become writers. Oh, I love that. I think it's a great place to wrap up. And, uh, yeah, Quinn Colson returns to take down a criminal syndicate that has ravaged his community, threatened his family, tried to have him killed. That's the revelators. 10th Quinn Colson novel by Ace Atkins. Thanks so much, man. And um, best of luck. Stay safe out there. We appreciate your, your wisdom and your time. Thanks, Colton. I appreciate it. Ten months after the shooting out on Perfect Circle Road, a 12-year-old girl named Anna Gabriel walked in the 95-degree August heat with her little brother Sancho. Sancho was only nine and knew nothing about politics or corruption in Tippahaw County, only that their mother hadn't shown up to drive them home on their first day of school, and he was upset. It frustrated him even further that Anna Gabriel had decided they'd better walk than wait. Sancho questioning all that was good and holy, a full four miles back to the Frog Pond trailer park, where so many of the Mexican and Guatemalan families had settled. They were very tired and sweaty, cutting through a thicket of pines and down through a kudzu ravine that hugged the highway. I knew this day would come, Sancho said. The rapture, just like the movies from church. Angels blowing trumpets, people being whisked into the clouds to meet Jesus, even those in airplanes are sitting on toilets. He has taken all the good people and left the sullen and the wicked behind. Every story must end, Anna Gabriel. We know as much. Now it is time for the human race. Would you please shut up? Anna Gabriel Hernandez Ramirez said, walking beside her little brother. Mama has a reason. She is still at work. Maybe she had to go to the market to buy eggs, cheese, and milk. Perhaps even had engine trouble. Her car. You know that car? So many troubles. And why won't she answer her phone? Sancho asked, wide face shining with sweat, trudging alongside her, short legs trying to keep up. We have called her 20 times. An odd August stillness fell over the Frog Pond trailer park on the outskirts of Jericho, Mississippi. Anna Gabriel had never heard it so quiet or seen it so empty, draped in an odd dusky gold light, the heat radiating up from the ground. Sancho followed her into the little maze that took them to the far corner of the park to the white single wide they rented by the week. Our family left us, Sancho said. Again. They would never leave us, Anna Gabriel said. They love us very much. Take that back or I will punch you very hard in the head. 
Then it is the rapture, he said, excited. We have to find the others, start deciding who's in charge. I would like to be the mayor of the city, or perhaps the president of the United States. I would also like my own very large truck, one with big silver wheels and a winch. I like GMC, but would settle for a Chevy if we find one with the keys in it. You're only nine. Does it matter now, he said. Now that we are the only ones left, all of it's so very sad. The bad children who didn't mind their parents or eat all their dinner. Anna Gabriel, we haven't been to church in at least three Sundays. Think of the shame. This is something else, she said. Two girls I know were brought to the principal's office and never returned. You yourself said you saw Tomas in the lunchroom crying alone with his uncle. I don't like where any of this is headed. Mama forgot us. Mama never forgets, Anna Gabriel said, her mind already turning over a hundred different possibilities of what might have happened, all of them bad. She works hard, she works late, you know this. It's a new job, she has responsibilities. So many chickens to clean and pull out their insides. Why do you always worry? Why do you always think the worst? That's my job, Sancho said. I am the man, the head of the household. Our Uncle Chewie told me as much over the summer. Come on, we need to start gathering wood for the fire. It's 95 degrees, Anna Gabriel said. Why would we need a fire? Anytime anyone is lost or left behind, they build a fire. Don't you pay attention to what we've seen on The Walking Dead? Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of The Writer Files. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review to help other writers out there find us. You can always leave a comment or a question and visit the entire archives at writerfiles.fm. And you can chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week.